I'm Nikki Hardy, and this is Chemo Chair Prayers. I'm so glad you're here. Hold on, let me take that back for just a hot second, because this is a podcast for anyone who's heard the words, it's cancer. So if that's you or someone you love, I am so sorry. I just hate that for you. So yes, I kind of wish you weren't here, but I'm also super glad you're here because if you're struggling to keep fear and worry at bay, to trust God no matter what, or simply need a little faith boost and to feel God's loving arms around you, you are in the right place. I lost both my mum and sister to cancer and was then diagnosed myself just six weeks after losing my sister. I know all too well how cancer robs us of so much the certainty of who and whose we are, how to pray when we have no words, the future we planned and imagined, not to mention the strength, peace, trust, and yep, even the joy and laughter we long for. So if you don't want to merely survive cancer, but long to thrive in the midst of it, take a seat, grab your cup of tea, let your shoulders relax, and allow me to lead you through a short story and a prayer using our guided format with the acronym TRUST, followed by a simple practical invitation to experience God's loving presence now and in the days ahead. Well, hello friends. Summer is upon us, or it is here in North Carolina anyway. The fresh breeze of spring has been replaced by the sticky warmth of summer. And to be honest, it's not my favorite time of year. When we first moved here, we were told there were five seasons in Charlotte. Spring, summer, autumn, winter, and August. And it's so, so true. But no matter what your summer holds, I want to encourage you to take a breather. I'm sure I don't need to persuade you that it has been one heck of a year. And even though we'll never get back to how things were, and we all need to embrace the reality of a new normal to one degree or another, one thing I know is that to move forward, we need energy, hope, motivation, purpose, and yes, faith. Without these, we set sail into the future with no compass and no fuel, no destination in sight. So who knows where we'll end up? Not where we're hoping, that's for sure. And that's what I'm doing this summer. We have stepped down from leading City Church and we're taking some time to rest, recuperate and listen to what God has for us next. But don't worry, Chemo Chair Prayers isn't going dark or silent. I've designed a summer series to allow us to gather ourselves, to dig into what fuels us, to dig out of what drains us, and yes, to breathe again. We're revisiting some of our most listened to topics, those thorny questions that I get asked over and over again from listeners about fear and anxiety, about loneliness in our cancer, as well as hard topics like what kind of God can actually allow cancer to happen. I've got some inspirational and crazy helpful chemo chair chats lined up, interviews with people who have been where you are and get it. And I don't want you to miss them or miss anything that we have for you. And as always, you can find all you need to know as well as the trust guided prayer format bookmark 
over at NikkiHardy.com. And if you're newer to cancer, I have a listening guide for you all about the best episodes and the most helpful episodes for you if you've just been diagnosed with a whole load of extra helpful information in there as well. And you can grab that at NikkiHardy.com slash just diagnosed. Without a shadow of a doubt, the biggest thing you guys write me about, the struggle that every cancer survivor deals with, and the thing we want to beat just as much as the cancer itself is fear, anxiety, and worry. We fear what lies ahead, the pain of surgery, leaving our kids behind before they graduate high school, and we fear God's mad at us or doesn't care. Fear can rule our lives. But at the same time, God says over and over again, do not fear. So what are we meant to do? Well, take a listen as we dive in and I give you some practical things you can do to deal with your fear before we pray together in the midst of it all. No matter how far along we are in our cancer journey, fear, worry and anxiety hang around like an ever-present shadow clouding over what little sunshine hits our faces. We fear the unknown, the pain of surgery and recuperation, and the thought that our cancer could return. We worry about leaving our kids behind when they're still so young. We fear for their futures as we worry about our own, and we fear time might just be running out. Fear tightens its grip with every ache, pain and scan. It's so easy to catastrophize and spiral into morbid thinking, even when we're in remission. And Lord, help us when we start Googling for answers. As believers, we know our eternity is secure and we're not afraid of spending eternity in heaven in all its glory where we'll no longer feel pain or our scars and the nausea of chemo. But we do fear going there now, too early, in too much pain and leaving our most precious people behind. Sometimes we can push the shadows of fear to the side just long enough to laugh with the kids, put on a brave face as we walk into chemo, or to get a semi-decent night's sleep. But then there's the times when the darkness of fear leaves us blind, grasping for hope, unable to see a way ahead, deaf to the loving whispers of God, and immune to the arms of loved ones. Fear isn't something we can put a restraining order on, barring it from entering and upending the delicate balance of our homes and our hearts. Like a loud, obnoxious, uninvited guest, it barges in, unannounced, knocking over the dinner table and making itself at home in our favourite chair. If God's perfect love casts out fear, does that mean we shouldn't feel fear at all? What if we simply can't seem to stop fear making its presence felt How are we meant to navigate this journey in a way that's not dominated and controlled by this loud-mouthed intruder? Recently, I hosted a big online event called the Trusting God Through Cancer Summit, and I asked everyone who registered what their biggest struggle was when it came to trusting God in their cancer journey. By far the most common struggle was dealing with the fear and anxiety that comes with a diagnosis. Friend, Be reassured, you're not alone. Fear beats down the door and darkens our day. We believe we'll never feel light again and the heaviness of fear will always be there, sitting on our chest, squeezing out our breath, spinning our heart and causing our palms to sweat. 
If God tells us to not be afraid, but instead take heart, be strong and courageous, and not overcome with worry, but we can't seem to hold it at bay for more than an hour or two, or at best a few days, what does that say about us? What does it say about God? Are we not strong enough? Is our faith featherweight? Are our trust muscles simply too weak? Or has God forgotten about us? Or is his love not reached our hearts like we thought? Or has God forgotten about us? Or his love not reached our hearts like we thought? Or maybe, just maybe, his love for us isn't perfect after all, because if it was, surely it would cast out our fear and we'd not worry so much and his peace would be the loudest thing we hear from him. And all these thoughts send us spinning once again and we wonder, will it ever end, this fear, this worry, this rumbling anxiety? Will fear's shadow ever leave to allow the light and laughter back in? Cancer or lymphoma? That's what the doctor said as I sat on those squeaky pleather hospital chairs, still a bit dozy from my colonoscopy meds. I asked if there was a third option, but no, there wasn't. At 42, with three young kids, I had cancer. It wasn't lung cancer that had taken my mum and sister before they were ready to go, but mine was rectal cancer. Despite hearing from the doctor himself, it never really registered. Maybe I was in denial, or perhaps it was still the drugs coursing through my veins. But hearing that there was no alternative didn't seem to faze me. I'd like to tell you it was my rock-solid faith, but that's a bunch of A-class rubbish right there. And I'm not about painting a pretty picture here, so yup, it was probably an anaesthetizing combination of both the drugs and denial. They kept me numb, for at least a week. A week I had to wait before the biopsy results came back. Then it happened. Chester, my wonderful but slightly stupid golden doodle, and I were both panting and drooling as we finished a tramp through our local woods and trails. In the unusually mild February weather, we had run a hearty five miles. Our meander had taken us around the ponds, where Chester had fantasised about catching the ever-elusive Canada geese, along the gravel paths, where I had fantasised about running the permanently elusive eight-minute mile, and through the woods, where I let Chester off the lead and we had both fantasised about living on a ranch in Colorado. After a quick stretch, me, not Chester, and a dip in the creek, Chester, not me, we jumped in the car and headed for home, high on sunshine, fresh air and endorphins. Within minutes, my phone rang, and the name blinked ominously back at me. Unfortunately, my best efforts to distract myself with my go-to drug of choice, which is fresh air and a canine companion, it hadn't altered the inevitability of the call. Jane, my friend and doctor, had news from pathology. She was about to tell me if it was cancer or lymphoma. This was the moment that would determine treatment options and the next phase of my life. And quite honestly, how much life I actually might have left to live. It was a lose-lose, catch-22 kind of call, where either way, Jane had to deliver bad news to a friend. Cancer or lymphoma? It's not really a chocolate or vanilla kind of answer, is it? I knew that it wasn't the first time Jane had had to call someone with news like this. Unfortunately, she's had to give life-altering news to terrified patients in the past. But on that day, like every other, she spoke with a confidence and calm that stilled me and somehow crafted her life-altering words so I didn't totally disintegrate. 
She didn't leave anything out or gloss over the tough bits, but through her natural optimism and realism, she told me that yes, it was cancer. Yes, I probably need surgery, radiation, chemo and a poop bag. But yes, God was in this mess with me and he most certainly wasn't going anywhere. Nothing had changed and yet everything had changed. The sun was still warm, the dog was still panting and slobbering incessantly in the boot of the car and the sky was still free of clouds. And yet everything had changed. It was my turn. Slowly but surely, the reality of this news crept its way from my logical, clear-thinking head down to my wounded, fearful heart. The nuclear bomb of diagnosis collided with my grief and the tender emotions still raw from losing my sister Jo to cancer just six weeks before. The mushroom cloud of implications blew through me and I lost all ability to keep it inside. People that know me would never accuse me of being overly emotional. Sometimes I wonder if I bury stuff, whether I'm slightly numb and just don't feel things as strongly as others, or if I'm just a cold-hearted old hag at heart. Either way, I'm not exactly prone to outbursts of emotions, either positive or negative, public or private. Opinionated? Certainly. Emotional? Never. So it came as a bit of a shock when I felt this tangle of feelings well up inside me and overwhelm me from the inside out and my stomach began to ache with a palpable hollowness. The air was sucked from my lungs and I doubled over. I sat facing a wall of barren leafless leaves and a few shrubs with patches of spring foliage trying to make a bid for freedom from their winter dormancy. My emotions burst through their winter hibernation with shocking force and it all pilled out. Along with the snot and tears came the pain and injustice of my carefree sister's premature death and life-altering fear that her ordeal and fate might well be mine. That wasn't the first or the last time fear got the better of me. I became well acquainted with its tendrils that weaved their way through pretty much everything I looked at or thought about. I'm sure you've been there done that and got the t-shirt to prove it. But what if we could tackle fear like a linebacker each time it rose its head, walking into chemo able to fight the fear and sit with peace and calm? No matter what, fear isn't the driver of your cancer train. Without all that time and emotion spent on fear, imagine what you could feel, the peace and joy of small things, hope, love, God's presence. Fear in and of itself isn't bad. It tells us when danger's heading our way and when loss is on the horizon. A signpost. As psychologist Susan David says, negative and positive emotions aren't bad or good. They're simply signposts. And as author Lisa Turkhurst reminds us, emotions are indicators, not dictators. When we feel the fear rising and taking hold, can we allow it to point us to Jesus? Can we, to use Susan David's phrase, fear walk into Jesus' presence, secure in the truth of who and whose we are, choosing his permanent love over any potential grief? When I think of fear that hangs around and won't leave us alone, I often think of Mary. With the news that she was carrying God's Son, She knew she was facing possible death, not by an invisible diagnosis like cancer, but by a visible group of people, 
including her family. So what did she do? Well, scripture tells us she pondered these things in her heart. I'm sure that in that moment, when she was faced with her new reality and all its dangers and unknowns, she pondered these things in her heart, knowing God was with her, and then she left her fears firmly with him. Mary didn't let the fear and overwhelm that she was feeling keep her up at night for days on end. She turned the fear into the next turning on the map of her life, a map that always took her to God. When we walk in peace, it's not because we're never afraid or because somehow we got dealt a double dose of courage. It's because we feel our fear and allow it to propel us into the love that casts it out. We ponder it in our heart, but we don't let it stay there. We give it to the one whose light it cannot darken. Let's take a moment to pray using our simple guided prayer format that uses the acronym TRUST. Thanking him for who he is and what he's done, resting in his love, unburdening our hearts, surrendering our hopes, fears and needs, and lastly, taking him at his word. Can I encourage you as we pray to enter in, making this prayer your own, confident God is with you right now. So let's take a moment to thank him for who he is and what he's done. Lord, I thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. I thank you that you are present with us and you're not going to leave us. I thank you for the people that you have placed around us and for the way that you have provided for us in so many small ways. Lord, I thank you that you are love itself, that no fear, no grief, no overwhelm can darken. Lord, we thank you for being you. Take a moment to thank God for who he is and what he's done. Maybe there's something that comes to mind that he has done for you in this last week or a promise that he has made to you about who he is. Take a moment now to thank him and give him praise. Now let's take a moment to rest in his love. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love is never ending. We thank you that you are not just loving, but love itself. Lord, help us when we struggle to rest in your love. So take a moment now and just lean into his love. Rest in it for a moment. Let it wash over you, in you, and through you. Unburdening our hearts. Lord God, there is so much that we hope for, that we long for, but we fear so much as well, Lord. And the fear and the overwhelm and the catastrophizing that we get into in the middle of the night can just take over, can shout louder. And so, Lord, we need you. We long for you. We hope for your peace and your presence in our lives, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, that we might know you more and more. Take a moment right now to unburden your heart to Jesus. 
Now let's surrender our hopes and fears and needs to him, putting them at the foot of the cross and then walking away, leaving them in his capable hands. Lord God, we thank you that we can put things in your arms and your hands, knowing that they are secure in you. Lord, the fears about our children, leaving them alone way too soon. Lord, we put that in your arms. Lord, we put the fears of our cancer returning, of the scans showing our tumors have grown. Lord, we put that in your arms. Lord, we have so many needs, whether they're financial or practical or emotional or spiritual. Lord, we put them in your arms. Can I invite you to take a moment to surrender your hopes and your fears and your needs to the one who sees you and knows you and loves you. And lastly, taking him at his word. Lord God, you give us so many promises about who you are. You are sovereign. You are the creator of the world. You are truth and life itself. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are with us. And Lord, we can take you at your word about who we are that your love fills us afresh, that your mercies are fresh every day. And we can take you at your word that we are loved and we are chosen, that we are your children, co-heirs with Christ. Lord, we need to believe your word about this for ourselves. So can I encourage you to take him at his word. Spend a moment right now leaning in to the truth about who and whose you are. As always, I like to end with an invitation to a spiritual practice you can take into the week, making it your own. And my hope is that it helps you encounter God and know his unfailing love, no matter what your cancer throws at you. And this week, I want to encourage you to try journaling. If you're not a journaler, get yourself a lovely new notebook and a fresh pen and take some time to write out your fears. What are they pointing you towards? What is your next move? Take a moment to journal your prayers to God. Take a moment to write down what you think he might be saying to you. Ask him to direct your path, not just for the next job, but also in the things that you are frightened about. I'm a big journaler. I enjoy journaling. It's very sporadic, but I do journal. And it is a place where I can process on my own. It's a place where I can process with God. And it is a place where I hear his still small voice. It takes a lot to get me quiet, but when I am journaling, I am with him and he speaks in the quietness. So I want to encourage you this week to take some time to journal with him.
You've been listening to Chemo Chair Prayers with me, Nikki Hardy. I always say thriving's a team sport, so I'd love to know how you're doing and how you found this simple spiritual exercise. Why not come and find me and leave a comment on the Chemo Chair Prayers website, nikihardy.com slash chemo chair prayers, which is not only where you find some of the best discussions happening, but it's also where you can download a copy of your trust guided prayer format in a handy dandy bookmark. And if you like the Chemo Chair Prayers podcast, would you hit subscribe and leave a five star review? so others journeying through cancer can find it easily. And then why not recommend it to a friend who's been diagnosed, your cancer support group, or even your oncologist? Remember, you are loved and seen, and you've got this because he's got you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 